When God created the world, He made the sun, the moon, and the stars. He separated the water from the land. He built the mountains and the forests. He made different kinds of plants and flowers. He created them in different sizes, shapes, and colors. He also made all the animals big and small. He created the fish that would swim in the sea and birds that could fly in the sky. He created small insects that could fly and crawl. He was very pleased with whatever he had created. Then, after he created everything, he felt he needed somebody who would look after his creation. He then created the first man from the mud. He breathed life into him and named him Adam. Where am I? Who are you? You are in my garden, the Garden of Eden. I am your creator, your Lord. You can live in my garden all your life. You will enjoy all the beautiful things I created for you and take care of them. That's nice, but how did I get here? You are here because I chose to have you here. You have been created in my likeness. You have powers over everything I have created on earth. You are the master of everything, and you will take care of them like your own. This is my wish and my design. I'm so hungry. Can I have something to eat? My garden is filled with trees and plants with the most delicious fruits of all kinds. You are free to eat the fruits of any tree here, except for the tree that stands in the middle of the garden. That tree is called the Tree of Knowledge. If you eat that fruit, you will die. God had created everything from the trees, the plants, the animals, and the birds, but he had not named them. So he asked Adam to name them. Adam named them one by one. Adam felt alone. Nothing that God had created could be partner. So God made Eve. One day, when Adam was sleeping, he created Eve out of his rib. Eve proved to be the right companion for Adam. Of all the creatures that God created on earth, the snake was the most evil and clever of them all. One day, when Adam was tending the garden, the snake went over to Eve and started talking to her. Hello, Eve. Hello. Who are you? I have never seen any animals speak here. Oh, I have been in this garden before you and Adam came along. None of the animals talk because they believe Adam to be the master of them all and so they are afraid to ask. God only speaks to you. He loves you more than any of us. Oh, I see. And you're not afraid? No, I am not. I think you are good and kind. I'm amazed by your knowledge and your strength. 
I can see why God made you in his image. Okay, that's nice. So what was it that you wanted to ask me? I was just wondering. You eat every fruit from this garden except the one from the tree in the middle of the garden. Why is that? Adam told me that God has told us to not eat the fruit of that tree. He said if we eat that fruit, we will die. I don't think that is true. I think God knows that if you eat the fruit from that tree, you will become wiser and stronger, more like God. I don't know about that, but the fruit sure looks so tasty and it smells good too. Yes, yes, it looks amazing and I'm sure it tastes better than anything you have had before. But I wonder if... I don't think anything will go wrong if you eat it. Go ahead, try it. It sure is a wonderful day. I found a new kind of fruit in the garden today. I think I'll call it a melon. That's great. I like the way you name these fruits. Adam, I wonder why God asked us not to eat this fruit. They look so nice and plump, and they smell so good too. I don't know, Eve, but God said we would die if we eat it. We should listen to what he says. I think that's not true. If this fruit was so poisonous and bad, why would he put it in the middle of the garden, right where we can pluck it? I'm sure it's some kind of a trick. Why do you worry so much? We have so many other fruits that we can eat. When God gave us this warning, there should be some reason behind it. We should just stay away from it. Hmm, yes, but I don't think it would hurt to take a little nimble, would it? I would love to know how it tastes. I don't think God is going to notice. Saying so, Eve stood up and plucked the bright red shiny fruit from the tree of knowledge. She looked at it, admiring its beauty. She then looked at Adam and took a bite from the fruit. She then gave the fruit to Adam and asked him to take a bite as well. Adam took a bite from it. He smiled at Eve. Together, they finished the fruit. Adam and Eve were sleeping under the tree in the center of the garden when they heard God's voice. When they woke up, they were afraid. They felt guilty and full of shame. They tried to hide themselves behind the bushes. Adam, where are you? Eve, why are you trying to hide from me? Sorry, my father. We are naked and we wish to cover ourselves. But how did you know that you were naked? You were naked before and you were never ashamed. Why do you have such a feeling now? I don't know, father. Did you eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge in the center of the garden? The one I told you not to eat from? Forgive me, my father. Eve gave it to me and I ate it. I'm sorry I disobeyed you, my God. Eve, why did you do this? 
God, the snake tricked me into eating it. I was confused. I did not know what I was doing. I'm sorry, my God. I gave you everything that you would possibly need. Anything that your heart would desire is available in this garden. I gave you only one rule to follow. But you disobeyed me. You have both failed me. Forgive us. Forgive us, my lord. We will not make any more mistakes. Forgive us this one last time. We were unaware of the consequences. We thought it was just another tree. It was not my fault. It was the snake that confused us. The snake will get his share of punishment. That does not mean you are free from the consequences of disobeying me. Why did you find it so difficult to follow just one rule? You had everything else in this garden for yourself. No. Once you have eaten the fruit of the Tree of Knowledge, you can no longer stay in the Garden of Eden. You now know what is wrong and what is right. You must leave the Garden at once and live the rest of your life on Earth. But what will we do there, my lord? You will have to work hard, suffer, and grow your food from the soil of the earth. You will suffer pain and sadness, and finally one day, you must die. That is your punishment. Now, go! Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. They now had to work very hard to grow food. They had to build a house for shelter, and they eventually were going to die. They could have lived in the paradise forever if they had obeyed God's rule. When God created Adam and Eve, He loved them above everything else He had ever made. He gave them the most beautiful garden to live in and the tastiest fruits to eat. However, one day they disobeyed God's rule. God got angry at them and asked them to leave the Garden of Eden. They were very sad and felt sorry for what they did. I loved you as my own and gave you everything you would ever need. Yet you failed me by disobeying me. I am very disappointed in you. You must now leave this garden and live on Earth. In the next few years, Eve gave birth to two sons. Cain was their firstborn and Abel was their second son. They loved their sons like God taught them to love. They both grew up to become strong and handsome young men. Father, Father, look! We have two newborn lambs. They're so naughty. Look at them. God has blessed your flock, Abel. You have taken good care of them, and they are healthy and thriving. I'm so proud of you. While Cain looked after the fields, Abel looked after the sheep. Abel was a kind young man who loved his parents and his elder brother. Cain was jealous of Abel as he grew up. He felt his parents did not love him as much as they loved Abel. 
Adam told his sons how he was proud of his sons and their hard work. He instructed both of them to offer a sacrifice to God to thank him and to seek his blessings. I will give the Lord our newborn lamb as an offering. I will give the Lord a worthy offering too, Father. I am sure he will be pleased. So be it, my sons. Get your offerings ready. We will offer them tomorrow at sunrise. Are you really going to offer the newborn lamb as an offering to the Lord? Yes, brother. I want to give my best to the Lord. After all, all that we've got actually belongs to Him. It would be my pleasure to sacrifice the lamb for God. Listen, Abel, this is just silly. Have you ever seen God or heard Him? Father is simply telling you all these stupid stories so that you behave well. Don't waste your newborn lamb as an offering. Place an old sheep that's about to die anyway. You will be wiser if you listen to my words. I am offering some dried-up fruits that I was going to get rid of. I don't think that's the right thing to do, brother. We would be disobeying our parents if we offered the Lord anything lesser than our best. Whatever you do, I'm going to offer my best lamb tomorrow. The next day, Cain and Abel did as their parents had instructed them and placed their offering for God. When Cain placed his offering on the fire, the fire died down. When Abel offered his newborn lamb, the fire grew back to life and enveloped it, consuming it instantly. This was a sign that God had accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's. Adam asked Cain why he always looked unhappy. He told him to love his brother. He told Cain that God loved them equally. Cain promised his father that he would take care of his brother and love him always. Eve was worried about how Cain was constantly bullying his brother. She told Abel that although it looked like Cain was angry at him, Cain actually loved him and was only trying to keep him safe. Eve told Abel to love and respect his older brother and to be patient with him. Abel reassured his mother that she need not be worried and that he would always love and respect Cain. Eve was very happy to hear this. She felt lucky to be the mother of such a wonderful boy. Cain, what are you brooding over? You seem to be unhappy about something. Who is that? I can't see you. Where are you? Come forward at once. No need to be afraid, Cain. I don't hide from anybody. I'm always here, never absent. I am whatever you see around you. I made you. I am your Lord. Lord? How come I never heard you before? And why do you speak to me now, my Lord? I've been noticing you since you were born. I have seen your childhood. I have seen you grow into a man and go through your life. I know you, Cain. Your thoughts are troubling you. They do not make you happy. Why are you sad? Nothing, my lord. I am just tired and getting some rest after working in the fields. 
You can hide nothing from me, not even your thoughts. Make peace with your brother. Make peace with yourself. He has never meant any harm to you. He wishes nothing but your happiness. I'm here to warn you that you are straying onto the path of great evil. You must return to the path of righteousness and be a worthy brother and a good son to your parents. Go now. But the evil in Cain's mind grew as days passed by. One day, he decided to get rid of his brother. Why didn't you call me out to the field? Where are you taking me? Come with me, brother. I want to show you something. It's not far. We're almost there. They walked into the field, and Cain took him to a spot where he had tied up one of his brother's sheep. Cain's expression changed suddenly, and he asked his brother, You think you're wiser than me now, just because you seem to be everybody's favorite boy and God's chosen one? It doesn't mean you can be disrespectful to me. I have no reason to like and accept everything you do. Tell father and mother! Cain, in a spite of anger, had killed his own brother. He didn't know what to do, so he dug a hole and hid his brother's body in it. Cain, where's Abel? He's supposed to have come home by now. Uh, uh, how should I know? I'm not his keeper. I've not seen him, mother. Go look for him, Cain. You are his brother. Go at once and bring him home. As you wish, father. Cain, my son, where are you going? Where is your brother, Abel? I am not my brother's keeper, my lord. I am searching for him now. He has not come home yet. I have told you that no one can hide anything from me. You have committed a terrible sin. You killed your own brother. I see his blood staining the paddy fields. It has soaked the earth and is crying out to me. He did nothing to harm you. He only wanted to do his best. He had nothing but love and respect for you. He loved his parents, and they loved him back. Why did you kill your own brother, Cain? Oh, God! What have I done? What have I done? What should I do, God? What will I tell my parents? I'm a horrible being. I'm lost forever. You must run away from this land where your brother's blood has fallen. Run away from your parents and go far, far away. Oh God, where will I go? What will I do now? You will roam the earth until you die and nobody will love you. Nobody will kill you 
as I will place a mark on your forehead to warn whoever you come across that you cannot be killed. And for the rest of his life, Cain roamed the earth like a madman, horrified by the crime he had committed. Joseph was one of the twelve sons of a man named Jacob in Canaan. He had ten elder brothers and one younger brother. Joseph's mother had died when she gave birth to his younger brother. Joseph and his brothers helped their father in the field. They also herded the sheep. Joseph was the favorite child of Jacob since he was young and innocent. Jacob spent a lot of time with Joseph. This made the brothers very jealous. On his 17th birthday, Jacob gifted Joseph a beautiful coat that had all the colors of the rainbow on it. Joseph was very happy, but his brothers were not. They were now even more jealous. They felt that their father did not appreciate all the hard work they were doing for him. One night, Joseph had a strange dream. He was very excited and he went to his brothers who were herding the sheep. Hey, Simeon, I had a very strange dream yesterday night. You should hear this. Oh, look! Daddy's little pet had a dream. Don't waste my time, boy. I have a lot of work to do. I can't sit and dream all day like you. No, listen. In my dream, we were all tying up sheafs in the field. All of a sudden, my sheaf stood upright while your sheafs bowed down to mine. Simeon looked scornfully at Joseph and then at his brothers. Oh, he isn't just stupid, he thinks even we're stupid. No, this was my dream. And listen, in another dream, the sun, the moon, and the stars were all bowing down to me. That was so beautiful. So now you want us to bow down to you, huh? Run away before we beat you with this stick. One day, Jacob sent Joseph to check on his brothers who were resting on the hillside. They were actually talking about Joseph and how irritating he was. When they saw Joseph running to them from a distance, they got so angry that they actually planned to kill him. Reuben, the eldest brother, felt strongly against this, but he knew that his brothers were too angry to listen to him. Let's kill this irritating boy and we don't have to worry about him ever again. What do you think, my brothers? Come on, Simeon. We're his brothers. We can't just kill him. We'll just... Throw him into this deserted well and decide what to do with him later. Hmm, that's a good idea. As Joseph came to where their brothers were resting, Simeon and Reuben held him while another brother took off his colorful coat. Then they threw him into the well. The brothers returned home, leaving Joseph all alone in the well. Reuben was sad at what happened. He planned to come around later and rescue Jacob. Just then, they saw a group of merchants were passing by. They were from Egypt and were returning after selling their merchandise. Then Levi, another brother, had an idea. Why don't we sell Joseph to these Egyptian merchants? That way we can get rid of him once and for all without killing him. That's a great idea, Levi. Let's do it. Call those merchants here. We'll also have some money on our hands. Where is Reuben? Will he agree with this? Um, he went to pick up something. Don't worry, he'll agree with us. 
the brothers tied Joseph's hands behind his back and sold their little brother to the merchants for twenty silver coins. When Reuben came back, he was terrified to hear what his brothers had done, but he could not say anything. The brothers then took Jacob's coat and sprinkled it with the blood of a goat. The brothers went back to Jacob and told him that Joseph had been captured by a wild animal. Jacob burst out crying, and he was deeply saddened for his favorite son's loss. Joseph was sold to a very rich Egyptian named Potiphar. He was an assistant to the pharaoh. Joseph was very intelligent and hardworking. He was also very handsome. Potiphar was very pleased with Jacob and put him in charge of all his properties. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife one day had an unnecessary argument with Joseph. Since she was upset with him, she told lies about Joseph to her husband. Potiphar was angry with Joseph, and he sent him to jail. When in jail, Joseph overheard two prisoners talking to each other. One prisoner was a servant to the pharaoh, and the other was a baker. I had the strangest dream yesterday night. I wish I could make some sense of it. My dreams are even more weird than yours. Maybe I can help you. I can help you understand your dreams. Ha <laughs> ha! You're just a boy. How are you going to understand my dreams? I do not interpret them. My God helps me. I will try to tell you what they mean. My God surely has a message for you. So the servant described his dream to Joseph. Joseph listened to him carefully and told the servant that his dream meant he would be released from prison in three days and he would be taken back by the pharaoh as his servant. Joseph asked the servant to remember him when meeting the pharaoh and ask that he be released. Three days later, the servant was released, just like Joseph had predicted. But when he returned to the prison, he forgot all about Joseph, and because of this, Joseph remained in prison. For two long years, one night the pharaoh had a strange dream and could not sleep. The next morning, he called all his wise men, ministers, and counselors and described his dream to them. Nobody had an answer to what it could mean. When the servant who was in jail with Joseph heard about this, he suddenly remembered his promise. He ran to the pharaoh and told him about the prisoner who could interpret dreams. The pharaoh immediately summoned Joseph. So, my servant says you can interpret dreams. He tells me you are extremely gifted. I am not capable of such things, Your Majesty. My God works through me. He can give you the meaning of your dreams. Describe your dream to me. Very well. In my dream, I saw seven fat cows eating grass in a field. Then seven thin, ugly cows rose up from the river Nile and swallowed the seven fat cows. What does this mean? Joseph listened to the pharaoh and then closed his eyes for some time. He walked across the room and came back to the pharaoh. My lord, this dream you just described is very symbolic. It is a message from God. God is telling you that a great famine is coming. It will last for seven years. There will be no food to grow, no rains. A lot of people will starve and die. Oh, that is terrible news. We are all doomed. Then, wait, my lord. I am not finished yet. 
The dream came to you as a warning from God to prepare for the famine. There will be seven years of plenty before the famine. So you can store up on food grains and livestock and other supplies during this period. You must make the most of this chance to produce excess food so that you can store it for later. Oh, you are right. Thank God I found you. This is great news. We will be prepared for the famine. We will produce plenty of food and build up storages for the difficult times. Thank you, Joseph. You are the most wise man in the kingdom. I am appointing you in charge of overseeing this work. Your Majesty, the honor is truly mine. These are not my powers. God speaks through me. I am simply conveying his message to you. Joseph helped the king to grow extra food grains and build storages during the seven years of plenty so that people would not starve during the seven-year famine. He was also very popular among the people and earned their love and respect. The seven years of plenty had passed by. The famine started. In the places around Egypt, animals were dying, lakes and rivers dried up, and people were starving to death. The people of Egypt had plenty to eat and drink because of the work done by the Pharaoh with Joseph. They had so much grain stored up that they were selling whatever was left to the people outside of Egypt who were starving. Jacob and his sons were struck by the famine as well. Their crops had all failed and their sheep had died one by one until nothing was left. They had heard of the Egyptian pharaoh who was selling food grains to people outside of Egypt. So Jacob sent his ten sons to Egypt to get food for the family. Benjamin, the youngest son, stayed back with Jacob. When the brothers reached the palace of the pharaoh where the food grains were being distributed, they saw a royally dressed man sitting on a high chair and supervising the distribution of the food. They approached him. It was actually Joseph. But they did not recognize him since it had been ten years since they had seen him. But Joseph recognized his brothers. He realized that they did not know it was him, and he kept quiet. His brothers greeted him and then bowed down in front of him just like the dream he had had when he was a boy. Where have you come from? We are from a faraway land called Canaan. The famine has struck us badly. We are a family of 12, and we have come to buy some food grains. Our father is waiting for us at home. I do not believe you. You look like spies. Are you here to bring harm to our people? No, my lord. We're not spies. We are just hungry travelers in search of food. Please give us some food grains and we will be on our way home to our father. Please help us. Okay, okay. Get up. I will sell you my grains. But you must bring your youngest brother and father when you come next time. Thank you, my lord. We will do that. The next time, Jacob and Benjamin went with the other brothers to Egypt to meet the Pharaoh. Joseph was overjoyed to see his father and little brother. After some time, Joseph revealed himself to them. Reuben, I am the brother you sold off to the Egyptians. Oh, my brother, it's really you. What have I done? Do not fear me. I hold no anger against you. Because of you, I was able to meet great people and be of service to these people. 
I was able to help feed them in the time of starvation. I have earned their love and respect, all because of you. I want all of you to come here in Egypt and live with me. Jacob could not believe that his darling son was alive after all these years. He ran to him and hugged him, while his brothers bowed down to him, just as he had dreamt many, many years ago. Moses was a good man who lived in Egypt. The Egyptians had made the people of Israel their slaves, and they were very cruel to them. Moses grew up in the Pharaoh's palace, but he felt sorry for the Israelites. He wanted to help them lead better lives. One day, Moses committed a serious crime, and he was forced to escape from Egypt. He traveled through the desert for many days, and eventually settled in Midian, far, far away. Moses got married to a local woman, and he led the life of a shepherd. One day, as usual, Moses was tending to some sheep on a hillside. It was then that God suddenly spoke to him. He hears a loud, booming sound like thunder, and he sees that a bush has caught on fire. There is a semicircle of golden white light surrounding the bush, and Moses hears the voice of God. Moses, I have something to tell you. Who is that? I cannot see you. I am Jehovah, the one true living God, the creator of all living and non-living things. Why are you speaking to me, God? Do not fear me. You are a good man and I have a very important task that I need you to perform for me. I need you to free the people of Israel and lead them to the Promised Land. Huh? Why have you chosen me? I'm just an ordinary person. You have a good, strong heart, and you have great courage. You may think you are ordinary, but you will do extraordinary things. And Moses, do not worry. You are not alone. I will be with you every step of the way. Why would they listen to me? How will they believe that you are with me? I will give you the power to show signs that I am with you. Throw your stick to the ground. When Moses threw the stick on the ground, it magically turned into a snake. Moses was now convinced, and he was ready to follow the orders of God. As you wish, my lord, I will do as you say. Ah, yes, Moses. We haven't seen you in some time now. What brings you here? Ramos, I have come to speak on behalf of the Israeli slaves. They need to be freed. You cannot keep them prisoners like this. They are not slaves. Oh, but they are, dear Moses. They will serve the kingdom of Egypt until they die every last one of them, until their very last breath. Ramos, the God is with them. He has sent me to free these people. If you do not set the Israelites free, you will invite God's anger on you. What God are you talking about? I have not heard of this God of yours. 
why should I fear him? He is the one true living God. He is all-powerful, and his anger can destroy your kingdom. Please free them now, so that you don't feel sorry later. I do not believe in your God. He has no power in my kingdom. Show me a sign that your God exists. Then Moses threw his stick on the ground, and it suddenly turned into a snake. Ha ha ha! Nice trick! The pharaoh thought that this was just a trick, and he called his magicians. The court magicians arrived, and when they threw their sticks on the floor, their sticks transformed into snakes as well. See? You can't fool me with the cheap magic tricks, Moses. But then, a miracle happened. Moses' snake started swallowing all the other snakes. The pharaoh was terrified at first, but then he regained his composure. That doesn't mean anything. It's just another magic trick. Your God is pitiful. Release the Israelites to me now, and my God will show pity on you. Leave at once, Moses. You're testing my patience now. Guards, escort him out at once. I will leave, but I will be back. Like that, Moses visited the Pharaoh several times and tried to convince him to free the Israeli slaves. But the Pharaoh could not be convinced. One day, Moses went to the desert and asked God what he was supposed to do. God told Moses that he was going to punish the Egyptians. God sent the punishments one by one. First, he led a great flood that swallowed the whole city. Then he sent a devastating drought. Then he sent locusts that attacked the crops. Like that, God punished the Egyptians several times. In spite of all this, the Pharaoh was still not ready to free the Israelites. Moses, why are you wasting our time like this? Whatever you or your so-called God says, I will not release the Israelites. They were born to serve this kingdom as slaves. Nothing can change that. God wants the Israelites to be free. If you do not follow his will, he will release great plagues on you and your people. Do not punish yourself and your people with your stupidity. You have been warned many times. Now face God's anger. Moses then went to the Nile River and dipped his staff in the water. It was a miracle. The Nile water suddenly turned red and it was blood. The fish died and the water began to stink. The whole of Egypt was stinking by now. Finally, God killed all the firstborn children in Egypt, including the Pharaoh's son. This forced the Pharaoh to finally release the slaves. Moses went to the palace one last time. Your God has killed my son and all the firstborns in Egypt. What kind of a god is this? You brought this on yourself, Ramos. You have been warned so many times. So many signs were given to you, but you remained stubborn. You brought all this on your people. Stop this now and send the Israelites to their freedom. Get out of my palace, Moses, and take your slaves with you. I do not want to see their faces again. Moses quickly summoned them and led them all out of Egypt. But the Pharaoh changed his mind again. 
Moses had finally freed the people from the Pharaoh. The people were overjoyed that they had finally got their freedom, but their hardships were only beginning. They had to face many, many tough hurdles. A couple of days after Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt, the Pharaoh changed his mind yet again and set his army after Moses to capture them. When Moses and his people arrived at the Red Sea, they had no idea how to cross the water. Pharaoh's army was fast approaching from behind and the people were scared. God helped Moses again by dividing the sea and creating a path through it. Moses and his people walked through the seabed and crossed the Red Sea. But when Pharaoh and his army tried to cross the sea, the water came crashing upon them and killed all of them. The evil Pharaoh finally got the punishment he deserved. After crossing the Red Sea, Moses continued to lead the people. It was a long journey and Moses took his people across the desert. The people were losing their patience. They started complaining to Moses. Moses, we have been traveling for so long now. Will we ever reach the promised land? Have faith in God. He has freed you from the Egyptians. Now he will lead you to your promised land. So many people have died along the way, Moses. We were better off in Egypt as slaves of the Pharaoh. At least we could not have died of hunger and fatigue. A lot of children are also sick. We have so many old people who cannot walk with us. Should we watch our children die before our eyes? Is this what you promised? We should not have trusted you. You have led us into death. I am saddened by your lack of trust. I have faith in my Lord. It is this faith that keeps me going forward. God is always with us. He will never leave us. Trust in him and you will not feel weak. And so they kept walking ahead through the desert. God kept watch over them. When there was nothing to eat in the desert and they were hungry, God showered a sweet bread known as manna on them. When they were thirsty, he gave them water from rocks. After many months of traveling through the desert, they arrived at the foot of Mount Sinai. This was where God had told Moses to bring the people. They camped at the foot of the mountain and decided to rest for a few days before continuing their journey across the desert. Moses told the people to stay at the bottom of the mountain and he climbed up the mountain to speak to God. When he reached the mountaintop, God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Moses for 40 days and 40 nights. He finally gave Moses a stone tablet that described the Ten Commandments that his people would have to follow for their entire lives. God gave the following commandments to Moses. 1. Thou shalt have no gods before me. 2. Thou shalt not make graven images. 3. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Four. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath. 5. Honor thy father and thy mother. 6. Thou shalt not kill. 7. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 8. 
Thou shalt not steal. 9. Thou shalt not bear false witness. 10. Thou shalt not covet. God made these commandments to ensure that men and women lived in harmony and lived peaceful and happy lives. When God created the world and everything in it, He made man in His own image to live here and take care of the world. However, humans started doing evil things and stopped following His commands. They did not pray to Him and they only cared for their own comfort. God decided to destroy the earth and everybody in it. There was only one man who loved God, Noah. Noah loved and worshipped God. He believed in God even though nobody else did. He also taught his family to love and fear God. One day, God spoke to Noah. Noah, you are a good man. You are righteous and you live a good life with your family. But the world has become evil and all the people in the world deserve to die. Noah was shocked at what he heard but he remained calm. But God, these are your people. Have mercy on them. No, Noah. The world has to be destroyed. I will send a great flood that will destroy the whole of Earth. It will rain without end for 40 days. Every living being on Earth will be destroyed. So be it. Let your will be done. Fear not, Noah. I have come to warn you because you have been a good man. You and your family will survive the flood. You are merciful, my God. You will have to build an ark for you and your family. What is an ark, my Lord? An ark is a big wooden boat. You will build this ark to protect your family from the flood. The ark should be big enough for your family. You will also be taking many animals along with you, so that they can survive too. But God, I have no knowledge about building arcs. How will I do this? Do not worry. I will give you all the instructions you need. Just follow them, and you will be able to build it without any problem. Okay, my lord. I will follow your instructions and do as you say. You must also talk to the people around you and try to convince them to mend their ways. Tell them to turn to me, pray to me, and fear me. Tell them to be kind and do good things. Tell them to stop being selfish and live a good life. I will do as you say, my lord. And as God instructed, Noah started to cut down trees. He made big planks out of the wood to build his ark. People started noticing what Noah was doing. They gathered around him as he shaped his planks and piled them up. They were curious. Noah, what are you doing? Hello, friend. I am building an ark. What is an ark? It is a big boat, my friend. It will protect me and my family from the flood. What flood? 
My dear friend, God, our Creator, spoke to me. He said that He is angry with the people, and He is going to destroy all living beings with a flood. My dear Noah, we don't understand. Where is this flood coming from? God will send heavy rains. It will rain non-stop for 40 days, and a flood will come and wipe out everything. You can stop this. God is angry with your ways. You only have to turn to Him and mend your ways. Pray to Him. Ask Him for forgiveness, and you will be saved. You can come with me on my ark. You will be saved from the flood. Noah, have you gone mad? You do not make any sense. Why are you doing all this? Stop building this nonsense ark and look after your family. Sorry, my friend. This is my work. God has asked me to do this. I have to obey Him. I will build this ark as He has told me. The villagers laughed loudly and returned to their homes. By now, Noah had gathered all the food grains, the seeds, and the animals. He stored the food grains in the ark. God then made the animals arrive in pairs. Every animal and bird on the earth waited in line patiently to enter the ark. There were lions, tigers, elephants, snakes, parrots, zebras, everyone. Two by two, they entered the ark. Then Noah called to the villagers and once again invited them to enter his ark. The people still refused to believe in him. They could not understand why he was collecting animals and placing them in the ark. They continued to sin against God, and they refused to enter. You said it would rain for forty days, Noah. I don't even see a drip of rain anywhere. Do you still think that you're making any sense? Do you really think that this God is going to save you? You have been making a fool of yourself and trying to make us all fools as well. I believe in my Lord. He will never abandon me. He has always guided me to do what is right. I am still inviting you to join me in the ark. You will be saved. We are not coming into your stupid ark. You can do as you please. Just leave us alone now. Once Noah had completed filling up his ark with the animals, God told Noah to assemble his family and bring them into the ark. Once they had entered the ark, the door was closed and the ark was sealed shut. As soon as the ark was sealed, the first drops of rain began to fall on earth. The villagers were amazed, as there had not been any rains for a very long time. Soon it was raining heavily, and big thunderclouds gathered all around the village. It continued to rain for days, and soon the water was flooding the village. The ark then began to float over the water. People in the village were running for shelter as their homes had been swept away by the flood. Meanwhile, Noah, his family, and the animals he had brought with him were safe and warm in the ark. It rained heavily for 40 days, and in the end there was nothing but water all around. All living beings were drowned, and even the highest mountains were covered by the flood. Noah looked out of the window of his ark and could see nothing but water all around. After 40 days and 40 nights of rain, it stopped raining. The water level slowly started coming down. 
The ark continued to sail with Noah's family and the animals. They kept sailing in search of dry land. After many days, Noah sent a dove out in search of dry land. The dove returned as it could not find any place to make a nest. The water still covered every patch of dry land. Noah waited for one week and then sent the dove out again. This time, the dove returned with an olive branch. This meant that the water levels had come down. Noah waited for one more week, and this time, when he sent the dove out, it did not return. This was a sign that the water had come down and there was dry land. Soon, the ark came to a stop on top of a dry mountain. Then God spoke to Noah. Noah, it is now safe for you and your family to leave the ark. You can step out to the land. You can now lead a new life with your family. Release all the animals. Let them once again roam the earth. Thank you, my Lord. I am thankful for your love and faith in me. You have kept me safe through all this. My family is alive and well because of you. We owe our lives to you. You are a righteous man, Noah. Your faith in me has saved you. Your family has been saved because of your good deeds. I promise that I will never again send the floods. As a reminder of this promise, God created a beautiful rainbow. Noah and his family lived for a long time on earth. They had many children, and soon Noah's children and grandchildren were spread all over the world.